So on Her Majesty's Secret Service, this is the Lazenby Bond film, your favorite Bond film. Right. I remember as a kid thinking that, that I remember hearing, and this was when I was a kid, that there was a Bond movie that was not a real Bond movie. Right. I heard uh, that too. Now, what they were talking about, though, was Casino Royale. <laughs> right. Which is this like a spoof with Peter Sellers and yeah. Orson Welles. You know, I've actually never seen that. I've never seen maybe, it either. Maybe we should add that into the mix. Okay. I think maybe we should add it in. I've never seen it, but it's not an Eon production. It doesn't have the music, but it's this funny thing that, in long story short, Ian Fleming sold the movie rights to his first novel, Casino Royale, to a separate, to somebody, just as a one off, one novel deal. And then later on, it, it, as the books got popular and people liked them, the, uh, Albert Broccoli and the other guy, Saltzman, uh, said, look, let us buy all the rest of your books. Let us buy the rights to all the rest of your books, including the ones you haven't even written yet. And then that's how the the other producers got the rights to everything else. But I remember thinking that the one that was the fake one, the one that wasn't an official production, was the Lazenby one. Yeah, because it, it totally feels different. It looks different. It's it's. Uh, I mean, I have so many... I, I have so many things to say about this movie. First of all, it's not really your favorite. Right. I, I actually, I do not enjoy the movie. No, I do not Overall. either. I really don't. I didn't right. like, I remember seeing bits and pieces of this. I remember Telly Savalas was in this one. I don't know what they were thinking. What were they thinking? Right. So I guess what happened was Connery, they couldn't come to terms on money. Connery wanted like points on the movie. Like in other words, like a share of the profits. Yeah. And they were like, it was like too much. Like Connery, Connery realized how much, he, how good he was and how popular the movies were. How many have they made? Four or five? I think they had made five. I'll verify Dr. That. No, from Russia with Love, Goldfinger, uh, Thunderball. You only live twice. You only so live that's twice. five. Right. So they'd made five. They were all hits. I think they were continuing to grow in popularity. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a true phenomenon, and and they they said, "Okay, we can. We'll just recast the role." And they picked George Lazenby. Now, do you not like Lazenby? As I don't bond? like him. I don't think. I think he's the worst actor to portray cram in any of the films I agree. and i know that there are some people who believe he's actually the best and some of them some of them actually like the movie and some of them admit the movie is flawed or even bad but that it lazenby gets a bad rap as a good bond in a bad movie here's i i, I disagree i just don't I, I just can't buy him as bond can't buy him i can't either i can't either that's the thing he's not a bad actor he doesn't he He's not doing a bad job, I don't think, in in the movie. And, you know, I really, I, I just, I like, in a way, he kind of reminds me of Daniel Craig. No. Yeah. There are, there just, are some, I, there's no, a there lack are. of seriousness about him. Yeah, he does. He looks like he, he looks like he'd be better as a, like, if they did a spoof of a Bond film, but they did it straight as a spoof, but they did it straight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Where where he was he was not making a joke out of it, but understood that it was a comedy. Like he would be good in that. But in a way, when you see him visually, I'm not talking about the way he acts. There's something visual that reminds me about Daniel Craig. I don't know if you see it or not. But anyway, I liked I do like Daniel Craig a lot as Bond, and I didn't think that I would. But seeing him in the movies, I think he I think he's one of the best Bonds. Actually, one of the best. 
But this Lazenby and this movie together, it's poison. Now, how did this do in the box office? I don't know. Hopefully it did terribly. I hope like, so. Presumably it did since they didn't bring the guy back. Well, I thought, I thought the reason that they didn't bring him back is because Connery, they came to an agreement with Connery. But I didn't know if it yeah, was related. Yeah, that seems like something they never would have done if the other one had done well. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, if it had been some huge hit... Then uh, why would they forum have, have at it? Forum find out how did how this movie did at the live our, our live yeah listeners. the chat the, the yeah. people they're Tell saying they're saying it did well eighty seven million no what is no. that number it grows would, look let's not hold on hold on if S Williams says it it's true eighty seven million four hundred thousand worldwide with twenty two point eight million in the U S alone it was one of the highest grossing films worldwide in nineteen sixty nine. Uh, it, it did $25 million less than what? Than the previous movie? Anyway, well, I think he's using... $25 million, $1960 or $67. All right, I'm looking at the Wikipedia. And Wiki, we know Wikipedia cannot be wrong. There is no false information in Wikipedia. But I'm right. reading... It does say... Now, it's saying it it grossed $87 million worldwide. So I guess... It just starts off bad right from the beginning. So bad. It's uh, so bad. Like the scene on the beach, it's it's a lame fight. It's like grown men splashing around in the water, and uh, it it never really explained what's going on. It seems like a lot of crazy behavior. Like what this woman is trying to commit suicide by wading into the ocean, yeah, and then, and then she changes her mind and. Uh, uh, just there's so much of that. Now, did you read this book? No, not yet. It's, it's further along in the books than I am. So I don't know what the hell's going on in the book. But the opening scene is terrible. And then there's this thing where he turns out the camera because the girl gets oh, It's so funny. Bad. That never happened to the other fellow. Yeah. Right? And it's like, ha, ah, you know, there's a new James Bond. You know, it's like, well, but that is so uncool. It's like, the, so it, it, it just sets a tone of un- uncoolness. And Yeah. And I mean... It- it would just – it felt like it felt like he was – I realize that he's supposed to be saying it to himself, but it almost looked like a fourth wall thing, you know, where he's kind of kind of talking to – I don't know. Right. I just – it's just cheesy. So I just sent you a link in the chat. It's a, it's a interview at NPR with John Barry, the guy who did the theme songs, and he died. We mentioned he died yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and, and it's just – he's just talking about how his favorites – he did the music for all, you know, all of them up until, I don't know, the 90s or something – and that Sean Connery was his favorite Bond and he liked those movies best. And here's what he has to say about him is uh, the golden days with Sean. This is John Barry talking. You can never, never, never get away from that. And when you look at it, because you get away from these things for so long, but when they finally flash up on the screen and you just see Sean just walking across a room, just the way, just his attitude towards women, towards the guns, towards the killing – and those terrible lines he had to say. I mean, he had to say some of the worst lines ever written, and he brought them off. He brought off these, well, like this is a quote. I think yeah. the, the transcript here is wrong. Yeah. Well, I guess he got the point, right? That's a line from uh, Thunderball and when he shot the spear into the guy. Right. right? And I, I guess he got the there. point. I mean, these were terrible lines, and it's extraordinary for an actor to bring off a line that corny and make the audience go with it, right? right? And that right. is the truth. That's like Connery. It is kind of a terrible line because you, 
he's playing it straight. It's not a parody. It's supposed to be like a serious action movie. And he shoots a guy with a spear gun and then turns to the girl and says, well, I guess he got the point. And somehow, like, that was Connery's <laughs> gift. Yeah. And in a way, Roger Moore kind of had that too. And he kind of approached it from a different angle where it was a little bit with with Roger Moore, a little bit. And we can get into that when we talk about those Roger Moore movies. Um, it was like, like Connery's, to me, angle was that he's a serious spy and assassin but he's saying these corny lines and and moore's angle was a little bit more he's playing a superhero but he can get serious right they're sort of approaching the same right. thing from two different sides uh lazenby to me just is just playing it like a parody like it it, it feels to me like lazenby is in a spoof is that's what i was spoof. saying yeah it almost feels like he's he's he doesn't realize it's a spoof somehow right. and he's playing it straight yeah, and I think it was poorly written. I just think that there's some of the motivations are just bizarre. And there were so many bad cuts in this movie, yeah, espe- especially funny. around the action scenes. And that's funny too because it was directed by Peter Hunt, who was like a second assistant director on a bunch of the previous movies and was the editor on a bunch of the previous movies, oh, or maybe man. even all of them. Like he'd been involved from the beginning, and the editing in some of the other ones is excellent. And for example – the uh, we've mentioned this before, but like with Goldfinger, which Peter Hunt uh, edited, uh, the band Criterion Collection director's commentary or, or you know commentary track, the one that the Criterion Collection did in the eighties for the Laserdisc editions, which the the producers of Bond then had banned because they were just like too honest about problems. Like Peter Hunt has this you. you you can talk to Merlin. Merlin Mann's the one who who like got me to listen to it because he's got them. Uh, and it's like you can't watch the opening of Goldfinger the same way again because Peter Hunt, the editor, talks about how mismatched the footage all was from that opening scene of not the opening, but in Goldfinger when he first meets Goldfinger at the uh, at the 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 hotel in Miami. Mm-hmm. Some of the scenes were shot at uh, the actual hotel in Miami on a sunny day outside, and a bunch of the other ones were shot on a soundstage in England. And yeah, Sean I think we Connery, talked about this. Yeah, right. Sean Connery was never in Miami. So all the scenes with Sean Connery were on the soundstage, right? Uh, and the, and Peter Hunt just talks about how how he has no idea how they thought that this was all going to get cut together. It was like one of the toughest scenes he's ever edited in his life. And he does a great job. He pulls it off. You don't really notice how, how, how mismatched some of the stuff is until he starts talking about it. But now you watch this movie, which Peter Hunt directed – and it, some of the scenes are really, really hard. And it, I guess it just is almost like an example of how somebody could be a great film editor but not be a, a competent director. Well, and, and the cuts that were bad were in in strange places. Like when they're showing the, the coat of arms, they're showing uh, Bond is receiving his coat of arms and they, they show like a close-up of hands holding it and pointing at different things. There's like a cut during that. I'm like, what? you couldn't get that right? It's a shot of a guy holding a piece of paper. You know, it's just weird. I will say there is one scene in the movie that I really like. You were telling me this, and you were telling me that it's it's. it's I was supposed to guess which one was your favorite, and I'm I'm positive I know exactly which one it is. Okay, it's one where he puts on the kilt and walks in. <laughs> no, then I don't know. I give up. You really don't. No, I was I was trying to think in of the movie. It. The best scene in the movie is when he, uh, after he finds out the name of Blofeld's lawyer. Yeah. And he breaks into the lawyer's office. 
and it's pure cinema. I don't think there's any dialogue right. in the whole movie. He comes into the office. He knows what time the guy's going to lunch. Yeah, I like that scene. He goes up after the lawyer comes down. The lawyer forgets something and and almost goes back up, which would have spoiled the whole thing, but he decides against it. That's a little Hitchcockian mm. suspense. Um, he goes up. He's got He's got Draco's construction crew across the street with a crane to give him his tools, which were too big to, <laughs> right, walk. to walk up there with. Right. Uh, you've got like a real cool safe cracking scene. Uh, what are you going to do? Like, it's going to take a while for this computer to crack this safe. <laughs> right, so, so what he are you reads Playboy. <laughs> right, which is right. And he pulls it off in a way that like it, it was, it was almost, you can imagine, I can totally imagine Sean Connery doing that oh, scene. Yeah. Right, yeah. You can totally imagine it. Uh, it takes exactly the right amount of time. It's a close call. He passes the guy out of his office as he leaves. Uh, but he got the information he needed out of the safe. Yeah. Total spy scene. Well, it's just well done. That was my favorite scene too. Yeah, it's a great scene. And I'll tell you what else about that particular scene that I like is that's my favorite suit in the whole movie is uh-huh. the suit that he wears when he's searching the law office cracking his safe. Right. Yeah, he did look good in there. And the suit that he wears for M's visit, which is usually, he usually looks great for those visits anyway. The rest of the clothes, not not a big fan of them. Not a bit, and I realize he, part of it he's playing the a part uh, right. of 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 the of the goofball, but you know though usually Connery always looked good even in his weird little uh, even in his weird well except for that weird little terry cloth jumpsuit thing that was the only thing he did he didn't look good in right. he always I still has a great think they made that work I, I don't know uh, maybe uh, I've been I've been wearing one since I watched that movie. What about the way, like, when he goes, he tells Em he's going to quit, and... Uh, it's just weird, and he's kind of blasé about the whole, about everything in the movie. Right, he's and then not, he goes and opens his desk, and it's like souvenirs from the other movies. And they play, like, a little clip of the right. audio, and then... I just thought that was cheesy. Yeah, to me, it it... Maybe that could have worked if Connery were in the movie. But without Connery, to me, it's almost like, look, it's like that whole scene to me is like, look, we wish Sean Connery were here, too. <laughs> I, I don't see, see how else, right? The music, because like music is like an emotional cue, you know? Uh, and it's like when they start playing the music from those other movies as they show the little souvenirs from them, it's, it, I don't know, to me it's like, God, yeah, man, this movie would be better with Sean Connery. Yeah. And it also had my least favorite Bond girl of all Who? so far. Not Diana Riggs. Yeah. Really? Least oh. favorite. Oh, see, I here we disagree. I think Diana Riggs it almost salvages the movie. Mm. I I like her. I think she's great. Although I feel like she was written poorly in scenes like like the opening scene where she for decides to kill herself in like yeah. the least effective way possible. I'm not saying she was a bad actress. I'm saying I didn't like the character. I didn't like the whole. Eh. I did, it just seemed like she was on it. Like, how can she go from one minute she's trying to kill herself, the next minute she's this like strong-willed? I don't know. It just seemed like weird. It's just weird. Yeah, I, I kind of like not her as an actress. I mean, she's I thought right. she was great. I have to say, I liked her. Okay. Um, how about the whole thing where he plays a a, a gay man in a suit, yeah, or in a kilt, yeah, while he's in Blofeld's castle. Just I mean, odd. and this is not, I mean, you know, this is not a, a this is no way to, to, to disparage uh, homosexuals at all, right? It just doesn't seem like a Bond thing to do. Yeah, it was a weird cover. What was the right. point of having why? that? Yeah, why did that matter? 
you know, could, couldn't he just sort of be officious without, you know what I'm saying? Like he and didn't, he, he was playing the guy, he was playing the guy from the, that he met in London to give him like a background in yeah. genealogy who himself did not seem gay. No. Right. Why did they add that? I don't know. It didn't make and sense. Here's the other thing though. Here's the thing you can say, well, maybe Bond as a spy should be playing more characters while undercover and shouldn't just be acting like himself. But that seemed like in all the other movies, he's just himself. He just gives a different name if he needs to. Right. Um, but here's the thing that it really gets me is that, so he's playing a gay genealogist, but yet still banging chicks. Like it doesn't. Well, like, and when she says, "Oh, I thought you didn't," she's like, "I thought you didn't like girls or something like that," right. and he's like, he's "Oh, like a, it just seemed weird." It just seems weird. It just doesn't seem like a Bond movie. It just seems like of all the decisions to make, it seems like somebody had the idea that maybe Bond would go undercover and play a gay man as part of his role. All right, let's just even concede that. But then somebody else says, but we've still got to have them banging chicks, right? And they're like, all right, we'll just combine the two. <laughs> right. And people I, in, I, the, in the chat room, the nerds in the chat room, did, did, have any of you read this novel? Because Horatio B. says yeah. that was in the novel. They stayed too close. So I want to I see if I, that's – I believe that. I could believe that. But I still think, though, that that's a problem. Then that's, that's the sort of thing you should take out. You shouldn't follow the novel. Yeah. And it because it really I think it plays terribly on screen. I'll tell you something else. The way you feel about the underwater scenes is how I feel about any skiing scene in a Bond movie. I just don't I just don't I'd rather watch underwater than I have to say skiing. too, and, and that is something too where in at, at last summer when I went through all the Bond movies from start to finish, is is and trust me, as we continue with this series, this is gonna come up more and more, is you think you think you remember a bunch of skiing chase scenes in Bond movies and However many you think you remember, there's a lot more. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's bad. There's I, more of them than there are the underwater scenes. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I. I... All right, now we come to me <sighs> is the, the single most bizarre thing in the whole movie. Single most bizarre thing. What's the so last movie, You Only Live Twice, we f- Bond and Blofeld finally come face to face. Yeah. And he's a little guy with a scar on his face. Oh, yeah. I now, know where you're, I know where you're going. This. Now he's Telly Savalas. All right, so they've recast the role. I've already told you last week, I think Telly Savalas was a better pick. I think Telly Savalas might be the best Blofeld there was. Okay. I, I, he's a great actor. To me, he's more villainous. I, I don't know. He just this is. I like him as, as Blofeld in the abstract, right? But here's the thing. So they've recast Blofeld and they've recast Bond, but they're the same characters. They're yeah. just new actors. I right? know where exactly where you're going with this. They apparently don't know each right? other. Right, they don't know each other. Right? But they also established in in this scene earlier <laughs> where he was going through his desk drawer that he was the same guy. Yeah. It's not like they've said we've started the series over and the other ones never happened and we're just calling this guy James Bond. And a it's reboot, a if you will. Right. But it was like a year earlier there was a Bond movie where Bond and Blofeld come face to face and now they don't know each other? It didn't make any sense. It makes no sense. It makes no sense. And and even chronologically, as far as the books go, and that's why I'm curious to read this one is like, it's him. It's still him. It's what kind of disguise does he have? He's got a hat and some glasses, right? And even at that point, Savalas, or, or uh, I'm you know, I'm supposed to say Blofeld here, but it's so telly to me. He cracks the glasses in half. It'll take more than glasses for me. I'm like, well, it's, but apparently it did fool you up until that point. 
Right. And then we come to all these <laughs> Tuco's law violations, right? These, these, why don't they just kill each other? Yeah. Right. Why doesn't he just kill Bond? Right. Or if he's going to lock him up, why in the world would you lock him up? So Blofeld locks Bond up in, in this. The mo- you know, I mean, to his credit, it wasn't easy to get out of there. It took him no, a while. No, but it had an exit. Yeah, it had an exit. It had an exit that he could, in theory, reach. Yeah, like he had to risk his life to do it. Right. He didn't. He didn't even incapacitate him. He didn't even put him in handcuffs or tie him up. I'm like, okay, you know what? Maybe they don't have a brig set up there. Fine. But he could have like taken a a a rag and tied it around his hands or something. He doesn't do anything. Right. But just stay in here. A broom closet with a (laughs) chair propped up against the doorknob (laughs) on the outside would have been more. Yeah. Right, you know, no handcuffs, didn't tie him, didn't even give him a beating. Just put him in yeah. there. Incapacitate him a little bit or, you know, drop him. He's shocked as shit when he sees him later. <laughs> I know. <laughs> he's just so surprised that he made it out. But then we go the other way, and you skip all of Razzmatazz at the end. You know, maybe it's a good scene, maybe mm. it's not, blah, blah, blah. But then you end up with Bond and Blofeld chasing each other in a bobsled tube. Okay, so you've, you know, mixed it up. It's not skiing anymore. Um <laughs> And Blofeld uh, <laughs> takes it in the face from like a tree branch, right? Is yeah, yeah, I think so. It was a couple of weeks ago, and I, I couldn't bring myself to watch it again. It's hard. This part was, to be honest, I was tuning out a little bit. At well, this by, part. Uh, by the way, I've watched a lot of these, most of these so far with with Jonas. And, oh yeah, and he hates this one. He hates it. <laughs> hates it. And I didn't even say anything. And he hates it because uh, he doesn't understand why this guy wears a skirt. <laughs> <laughs> it just and he just thinks it's not. but all right. So Blofeld takes it in the face and he's presumed dead, right? Yeah. But Bond is just downhill a little bit. What What does Bond do at this point? Like he thinks that this arch criminal, the worst terrorist in the world, a man who has held the <laughs> the entire world nuclear hostage, the man who is uh uh you know in Thunderball actually stolen nuclear weapons, right. stolen them, right? Um. Uh, a man who a, a year later captured Soviet and U.S. spaceships in an attempt, and in fact, he, he came so close to starting World War III that, that the U.S. Air Force had already sent the bombers into the air onto an attack against Russia. Came that close to, to, uh, to starting World War III, a nuclear World War III. He thinks this man's dead about 100 yards uphill from him. <laughs> what does he do? He just what? Goes back to the hotel? <laughs> Right. Right? I it's mean, it's just crazy. It's just uh, weird. Right. That's why I really, I really, in this case, and nobody in the chat room has, has said if they've read the book. But I'm, I really wonder if, how, if that what he did in the book, too. I don't know. Uh. I really, I can't, I, you know, that's, I should have read the book instead of watching the movie this week. We'll have to find out, but. It just is preposterous. Then he goes and gets married and gets killed. His wife gets killed by Blofeld. And I don't have any sympathy for him at all. Yeah. Because what do you, that's what you get for not going up and just checking to see that the guy's dead. Right. And I mean, why not bring him in? What? They just, Bond just goes back and says, well, Blofeld's dead. Well, where is he? Oh, I left him up on a hill. <laughs> really? What hill? Where? Oh, it's down the mountain from his resort. And right. then they go and check and, and, don't even after Bond tells them Bond after Bond says he's dead, he's at the bottom of the blo- Bob said tube, and the local police go and investigate and say, "Well, there's no body there." It doesn't doesn't anybody get suspicious at that point? Yeah. I mean, I think he got what he deserved when when they killed his wife. Yeah. They should have killed him. 
Yeah, there's not. It's not. It, it doesn't make any sense. No. You know, this is the same guy who would have a second bottle of vodka in a separate drawer because he knows the first one's going to get tampered with. Right. And yet I, he doesn't go back and roll the body over, make sure he's dead. Right. However forgivable it, you have to, however much you have to gloss over the ways that Bond's adversaries violate Tuco's law to allow him to survive and to put him into a death trap rather than just shooting him in the head right, right in front of them. Yeah. Uh, however much you have to overlook that across the whole series. It's unforgivable for Bond himself to, to break that rule. It's horrible. Really horrible. At what, what point did they replace Miss Moneypenny with a different actress? Late, really late. Really late, right? I think it might have been the Timothy Dalton ones. Yeah. I think that she was there as long as Roger Moore. Like there's, I think like uh, Roger Moore's last is A View to a Kill from 1985. And he's really looking old in that one. Oh, yeah. I think Miss Moneypenny might still be there. Maybe not though. Maybe they replaced her before Roger Moore. But she was there at least till the 80s. I always liked her. She was great. She was great. That's who you want working with you, somebody like that. Yeah. Keep track of everything. Yeah. They knows knows when you're screwing up, covers you for it. Every once in a while. There's a few other nice things in, in this movie. I do like at Bond's wedding when M is talking to Draco and it's sort of like a strange bedfellows type of thing yeah. where Draco is really a criminal but he's nowhere near as bad a criminal as Blofeld right. and he really helped out to bring to bring Spectre and Blofeld down and so M is you know and they're just sort of talking it was kind of a cool thing they're saying Overall, in the, though, what a bad movie the nerds are saying that uh, you're right that Timothy Dalton was when they recast and A View to a Kill was the last one with Lois Maxwell All right she's great though yeah Boy, they were looking old in that one, though. We'll get to it later. We'll get to that. Yeah. This was bad. What year, so a, a hive mind uh, forum, what year did uh, On Her Majesty's Secret Service come out? Was it 68, 69? 69. 69. So yeah. we got two years before Diamonds Are Forever, 71. The novel was written in 63. And the movie is 69. I'm ver- just verifying. I'm pretty pot. I remember reading that before. Yeah, because that's what they're saying. It. uh yeah. It's almost, I can't believe that the movie did. I, I don't know. I really think. It just seems like it, it says right here, it says uh, it was released in December 18th, 1969. You know, but there were so many things that to me were missing from this movie. They didn't, they didn't do, you know, you think about gadgets and things like that. Right. None. Well, I mean, the safe cracking thing, I guess, counts. Yeah, that's the closest. But there was none of No the- cool car stuff. None of the thing, though, where Q gives him something yeah. and it just happens to be exactly what he needs later on. Yeah. Right. Maybe that's good. Maybe it's good to get away from that. That's yeah. always say, Here, I'll give you this, you know, pocket watch and it just happens to have a little capsule of, you know, poison in it, which you can inject at 30 meters, you know, right. whatever. But I, I, you know, overall, I thought it was a great, it was a great example of what you can do wrong to a franchise that's super, super strong. And I would love to have seen this movie with, like, would this, if, if nothing else had changed, if everything else about this movie was exactly the same, but they had Connery instead of Lazenby, yeah. would it have been a good movie? You know what I'm saying? If they just swapped it. You know, I if, wonder, I wonder about that too. That's a heck of a question. 
It certainly would have been better. No question it would have been better because I have a, I just, Connery got the role in a way that Lazenby didn't. Yeah. I can't help but think, though, that Connery just wouldn't have done certain things. I don't know. Like you think he would have said, oh, I'm not doing that? I don't know. I, I, I just, yeah, I don't know. It was always believable when Connery was scoring the chicks because, in a way, he was such a in, you know such a flirt. I mean, it was so he was over yeah. the top. I yeah. mean, you'd almost say he was, you know, you know, by modern standards, he was he was uh, what would you call it a uh, you know Don Key uh, hoodie. Well, you know, but Don Juan, I, you know, like if he would have gone to that dinner. And you know what? And the problem it, it isn't isn't the kilt. I mean, because you know it's just Scottish. And in fact, Connery could have yeah, made but a that he had a cool. very puffy shirt. Yeah, he had a very puffy shirt, and I don't think I don't think Connery would have put that. No, on. Uh, no, I was that was the first thing I thought is could would Connery wear? And it's Connery is Scottish, right? Right, he is, and he but wouldn't he wear that shirt. Yeah, he wouldn't wear that shirt. He'd and he wear the kilt. He wouldn't wear the shirt. He the wouldn't shirt wear the black, but the black kilt to me. Maybe, okay, I, first of all, I mean, this is if this isn't obvious, I know absolutely nothing about, you know, kilt wearing and how this pays into. But in my in my opinion, as a as a an ignorant American, I expect a kilt to you know have the the green and red and and, and stuff yeah. going on. I would that to me, maybe the black kilt is like dressier, or maybe it's more aristocratic, or maybe it's I don't know whatever. I want. I I think Connery would have put on the stereotypical kilt and not had the puffy shirt and he would have looked badass. Right. But then he would have really flirted with the girls. Yeah. Not like anti-flirt with them and then like somehow end up in bed with them anyway. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Crazy. Uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I don't know. It's hard to say. Would have been better. Still, I still think it would have been. I still think that the 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 writing flaws would have been obvious. Yeah. The whole what now? We're a year later. We're supposed to pretend Bond and Blofeld never seen each other. The whole leaving him for dead, and yeah. and then he comes back. I don't know. I don't even. I mean, I just don't see it. No, at least it's over. Yeah. Get back on track next week. I like Diamonds Are Forever. Oh. Different. And I, I, again, I, and I haven't I haven't seen this movie in as long as I can remember. I, again, this is another one of those like uh, uh, I know I've seen it, but I can't remember. Yeah, it stands out. It's different, and Sean Connery looks a little older. It's a decade after Doctor No, right? In real real years, and it, it it you know he looks a little different. It's now the seventies. It it you know, but. To, and to me, it has a different feel to it than all the previous Connery movies. You know, it seems like they've moved in a way that was good. Like that, you know, uh, I don't know. I really like Diamonds Are Forever. Well, what it I, makes me – and the other thing about Diamonds Are Forever is it really makes me wistful that they couldn't work out a deal to keep Connery in the movies. Mm. Well, my understanding is that uh, – uh, Lazenby was actually offered a contract to do to do more of these movies. Really? Yeah, and that um he declined based on advice from his uh apparently his agent had said don't do it. Oh. Huh. And I have I have here that it, they considered replacing him uh with uh John Gavin, who I don't know who that is. Yeah. 
and Adam West, which I think would have been uh, the Horrible. biggest mistake they could have made. Although right. I, don't, I don't know if that you know how much consideration he was given. Although although I love Adam West, he would he was Bond is the strangest. I can't even can't even understand that. But they you know they, they you know they once considered James Brolin. Really? Yeah, I forget which one of the movies, and it comes with the screen test. One of the movies on the DVD extras shows the screen test that James Brolin did in the 80s, and he was like the first non-British guy that they were considering for the role. They actually shot a screen test, uh, and I don't know if they were going to have him do a British accent or what. Mm. I don't know. It it didn't work out. You know, the, the screen test was... I don't know, I guess considered a failure. It's funny if you look at, yeah, Wikipedia has a bunch of that stuff, the yeah. guys they've considered over the years. Yeah. It hasn't been terrible. Diamonds are forever next week. Next week, diamonds. So we will, ha- we will put a, sh- uh, a link in that to the show notes if you want to support the show by clicking that link. Uh, you can do so. And, uh, and also don't forget to go to uh, audiblepodcasts.com slash talk show. And uh, check out sourcebits.com and, uh, and, and watch Diamonds Are Forever by next Wednesday. That's it. That's it. Are you going to cough or something to let people know that we're...